the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed. Past 10 o'clock on a free-for-all Wednesday edition. That's right. We're calling it free-for-all because um, this is our last live show of the week. If you, Well, not counting Dr. Sebastian Gorka's show, which I will be guest hosting at 3 o'clock this afternoon. But it's our last live show of The Authority uh, here from 9 to 11 of the week because we have a best-of show tomorrow on Thanksgiving Day. And we have a best-of show on Black Friday as well, as we always do. And so this is our last live show and a last live chance for you to get in at 216-901-0945. The 27th morning of the 11th month of the year of our Lord, 2019. The President of the United States has declared that Mexican drug cartels are foreign terrorist organizations. And he said they will be given official designation as such by the federal government very soon. This is a huge move. The president told Bill O'Reilly this in an interview, that he will designate some of the Mexican cartels as FTOs, foreign terrorist organizations. This was just released yesterday in the interview. Quote, the Mexican drug cartels kill more than 100,000 Americans every year by the importation of dangerous narcotics. This is what, uh, I'm sorry, this is what O'Reilly said to President Trump, rather. Then he said, are you going to designate those cartels in Mexico as a terror group? They will be designated, the president replied. I have offered him, meaning the Mexican president, to let us go in and clean it out. He has so far, uh, however, rejected that offer. But at some point, something has to be done. And, of course, he's saying what he's talking about, President Trump is talking about, is his um, threat-slash-offer to go in and clean house against the cartels on the Mexican side after the family, the American uh, uh, and Mexican dual citizenship family of eight, was shot and burned um, in that cartel hit uh, uh, just on the south side of the border. 
And, of course, we can't go in there in an inv- invasion you know, without permission from the Mexican government. We can't just do that, or now we're talking about an act of war. So you know, we asked the government, let us come in there, and the government said no. They're going to handle it. So the president said, okay, fine. Here's one of the ways I'm going to handle it. We're going to declare them a foreign terrorist organization. When they do that, uh, they will have a lot more leeway in terms of how they, how they uh, battle them and combat them. The president said these cartels have unlimited money from drug smuggling and human trafficking. He said to O'Reilly, I've been working on that for the last 90 days, in fact. You know, designation is not that easy. You have to go through a process, and we are well into that process. The president told Breitbart News earlier this year that he was thinking about that designation. Quote, uh, this is from an Oval Office interview. We have been thinking about it very seriously. In fact, we've been thinking about it for a long time. It's psychological, but it's also economic, he said. As terrorists, as a terrorist organization, the answer is yes, they are that. Now, the response to that came from the Mexican president. Mexico City announced efforts to have a meeting with U.S. officials after President Trump's recent announcement that he wants to designate these cartels as foreign terrorist organizations. In a prepared statement issued by the Foreign Relations Ministry, officials reached out to their U.S. counterparts to explore the consequences that terrorist designations would entail. Quote, in lieu of the good relations that exist between both countries, the government of Mexico will seek to have a high-level meeting as soon as possible to present Mexico's position and to learn the viewpoints of the authorities from the U.S., end quote. Now, I'm going to pause there and offer this suggestion, obviously, that the Mexican government has to be very careful here, lest they appear to be supporting or in defense of these cartels. My own personal opinion would be, if I was President Obrador, I would say, you know what, Mr. President, you're right. They are terrorist organizations. We hate them. Let's work together to wipe them out. That's what I would say. But instead, they say, no, we want to have high-level meetings with the Americans right away before you designate them as foreign terrorist organizations. Why? I don't understand that. The Foreign Relations Ministry said they seek a... The latest statement stands in stark contrast, excuse, excuse me, stark contrast with remarks given by Obrador where the, uh, he preempted the matter Monday by saying Mexico would reject terror designations given by foreign nations. We will never accept that, he said. We are not nation sellers. There's a, a Mexican, or excuse me, a Spanish word for that that I don't know. But at any rate, he said, we are not going to sell out our nation and allow other countries to uh, brand us as holding foreign terrorist uh, organizations within our, within our country. But yet, that is exactly what these drug cartels are. And if you don't believe they're terrorists, like I said, look at what they did to that family uh, just uh, a, what, a couple of weeks ago. So the president is right. He's ready to go. He said, we absolutely are in the process of declaring them foreign terrorist organizations, which will give them more leeway uh, to be able to deal with them as such. And I'll tell you something else. It also gives them a little bit more um, leverage, if you will, in their negotiations with the Mexican president and the Mexican government as it pertains to illegal immigration of all kinds, including cutting off the caravans cutting off the number of people flowing from the triangle of uh, Central American countries up through Mexico to try to come to the United States. They have already partnered with us in a pretty big way here. That's why um, the uh, number of uh, apprehensions at the border have just plummeted in recent months. They are working on that with us. 
But if you promise to declare them a foreign terrorist organization, if you're President Trump, and they don't like that, it gives you much more leverage. Okay, if you don't want us to do that because of what it might do, the precarious position it might put your country in, then you have to give us even a little bit more in terms of border protection uh, from your country to ours. You know, we're sitting here building a wall. Maybe we shouldn't have to. Maybe you should build the wall to keep your people and migrants coming through your country in your country rather than allowing them free and easy passage across the river or uh, across the deserts into the United States. All right, let's go to um, LaGrange. That's where Kenny is, my good friend Kenny, who always emails and very rarely calls, and I really wish you would do more of the latter because I miss too many of the former. How are you doing, Kenny? I'm doing well, Bob, and uh, for, first of all, I want to thank you for all the heavy lifting that you do for the rest of us, and uh, have a happy Thanksgiving, a well-deserved four-day break. Thank you, sir. Uh, I have a small statement and then a question. Okay. I understand the impeachment process is, is, is going to be nothing more than an effort to hang a sign around President Trump's neck saying, I was impeached. I understand that. But how much of this impeachment process do you believe is an effort to shield Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama from their misdeeds? A lot, Kenny. Not a lot of people talk about that. I'm glad you are. A lot. A lot of it is we, you know, wanting to remove him from power, which is again why they, you know, made that impeachment declaration right when he was elected. And in fact, you know, you know the the deep state part of this, you know, with Strzok and Page and their text messages prior to the election saying he's not going to win, but if he does, we have an insurance plan, uh, which is of course this impeachment. So part of it is just the partisanship part, or excuse me, part of it is the partisan the politics of it all. But yes, I agree with you, Kenny. They knew. Um, that with everything that was done on Hillary Clinton's behalf, illegally, by the deep state, members of the intelligence community, by the FBI and the Department of Justice, by Comey, by McCabe, uh, by Brennan at CIA and all the others who were part of the um, illegal spying on the Trump campaign team, that were part of the illegal apprehension of this phony dossier using foreign sources to lie about the president, to take to the FISA court, to get that uh, warrant to spy. All of these people will be going either you know up in flames or you know into rooms with uh, striped sunlight if the president is allowed to investigate all of this, and that's one of the reasons why you, nobody talks about this, Kenny. But you're spot on. If they get rid of him, the investigations stop. At least that's their hope. I would hope they would be continued under President Pence in such a circumstance. But yes, the investigations into all of them who broke the law um, in an attempt to defeat Donald Trump would stop. And all of their misdeeds, Hillary's, Comey's, McCabe's, et cetera, et cetera, uh, would continue to be you know, uh, under, the, under the rug. All right, Bob. Thank you very much. I appreciate it, and I appreciate everything. Appreciate everything you do for us. And I, well, thank you, my friend. It's my pleasure, and I appreciate you bringing that up. Nobody talks about this. Nobody talks about it with any at any length, anyway. But it's more than just about getting the president that they don't like. It's more than just about stopping him from getting four more years which is one of the, the primary reason for the impeachment, I believe, is because they know he's going to be reelected. The economy is doing too well. Americans are making too much money. There are more jobs. There are more jobs than we have people to fill them. We're at almost full employment, and people's 401Ks are growing with the record-high closing of the Dow and the NASDAQ over and over and over again. 
he's going to be reelected, and they have to stop that. But it's about more than that. It's about what Kenny just said as well, self-preservation. Hillary Clinton broke the law. The DNC broke the law. They paid Christopher Steele to put that dossier together with phony Russian information about Donald Trump, which was not real, but that was then used to get the, uh, uh, the uh, warrant to spy on the Trump campaign, on private American citizens simply working for a political campaign. They know that they're in serious jeopardy if he is allowed to stay in office and they uh, continue those investigations. So far, Hillary has escaped virtually everything that she's done. Comey gave her a pass, basically told Loretta Lynch, uh, nobody would, uh, would indict on this, so just don't, don't do anything, Loretta. I'm giving you the, uh, the call here. Loretta Lynch said, well, the FBI director says uh, we shouldn't indict, so we're not going to indict. We're going to let her go. Then Bill Barr, the current attorney general, they're doing an investigation of her emails as well, and they say, yeah, a lot of bad stuff there, but um, we're not going to do anything about it. This is the last chance to hold Hillary, uh, Hillary Clinton accountable. The John Durham investigation, the uh, federal prosecutor, the IG report I think is going to be largely useless, the one that comes out December 9th with uh, uh, Inspector General Horowitz. So in truth, I think only investigations conducted by Team Trump, particularly if he gets a second term, only those investigations will bear any fruit and bring people to justice. And they're terrified of those investigations getting started, so they have to impeach him now. Ken is 100% right, and I'm glad you called, my friend. 1021, quick time out, right back after this on AM 1420, The Answer. It's the Bob France Authority, here on AM 1420, The Answer. Ten twenty-six, the Bob France Authority on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. I started to tell you the story of the black vote in America turning toward the Republicans, more specifically turning toward President Donald Trump. I told you about the response from the left, pure and unabated racism. That's what the response was. No way, said Anna Navarro of CNN. No way, zero chance. Chance this is accurate. Black people know that they have to vote for for Democrats. Black people aren't stupid enough to vote for Republicans. You can hear the fear in their voices. You can smell the fear, said uh, the American thinker from her keystrokes when she said that. But this is the truth. The President of the United States now enjoys a 34% approval rating, job approval rating, from black voters. So liberal Democrats realizing that that this is this is you know this is over for them, if President Trump President Trump isn't going to get thirty four percent of the vote by the way, he doesn't have to he got eight percent in twenty sixteen and as Peter Kirsten now has told me on a regular basis if that is upped to even ten percent if he gets ten percent of the black vote anything higher than that and we're in landslide territory if he gets ten eleven twelve percent. And he's got a 34% approval rating. You get 10, 11%, 12%. The Democrats will not only lose again in the, in the uh, White House. That turnout 
means they're going to lose the House and and an even bigger uh, majority to the Republicans in the Senate. They will be destroyed if this is real, which is why they are so insisting, insistent that this is re- this is not real. Um, the truth is, President Trump doesn't need to win, says the American thinker, anywhere close to 34% of the black vote. If he wins 20%, the Democrats are done, especially if the polls show rise in support among Hispanic Americans, also translating to the ballot box for President Trump. Democrats know this, and they fear this. They are so dependent on these votes that small shifts are dramatic. Barack Obama won 94% of the black vote and cruised to election. Hillary Clinton won 88% of the black vote compared to Trump's 8% and lost 30 states. If black Americans continue this trend away from the demon rats and the Blexit movement in America is real, Black exit from the Democrat plantations. Those are plantations of the mind where they have had black people convinced that they are looking out for them when they are the racist keeping black people down from achieving everything they can achieve in terms of education, in terms of graduation rates, in terms of college and more. The liberal Democrats have kept black people in America down for decades, keeping them beholden to them keeping them in need of government assistance on a regular basis. Black people are awakening awakening to this fact. Uh, Donald Trump is doing more for black America than Barack Obama, the first black president, ever did. And he doesn't have to win 34%. He doesn't even have to win that 20%. If he wins anything north of 10%, the Democrats are done, which is why they are now playing the race card in a desperate attempt to keep black Americans under their thumb. It's 1030. We'll get news now. And on the flip side of that, back to the immigration issue. Back to President Trump telling liberal states who are banning ICE agents from working in or near courthouses exactly why that's going to stop. Uh, Former immigration judge Mark Metcalf joins me to discuss that next right here on AM 1420, The Answer. Onward we roll. 10.35, that means 25 minutes by my uh, math standards of Outstanding Awesome left for you before 11 o'clock when Mike Gallagher brings you his version of Awesome, followed by Dennis Prager, and followed by me once again as I sit in for uh, the great Dr. Sebastian Gorka. I will be hosting America First with Dr. Gorka. Uh, but uh, in his place, rather, from 3 to 6 this afternoon. So make sure you tune in for that, if your schedule allows you to do so. want to go back to the immigration issue now. As promised, there is a lot of movement. There are a lot of things to discuss here. One of them is the President of the United States and the administration warning and, in fact, telling liberal states not to uh, bar or ban ICE agents from working at or around courthouses. And that's what they're doing. A lot of liberal states including Oregon and Washington, uh, their Supreme Courts have essentially said that federal agents cannot work around courthouses and make arrests there because it will create an unacceptable risk by letting illegal immigrants, uh, or I should say uh, telling illegal immigrants, don't come to court um, if you have a case to plead or if you have a witness, uh, if you are a witness to something because you might be apprehended. The president says the dangers 
of illegal immigrants who are convicted of violent crimes loose in the communities is far, far worse. And joining us now to help break down, break that down is a former immigration judge who I spoke with actually yesterday and asked him to join us here in Cleveland, Judge Mark Metcalf, now a county prosecutor serving down south of our state line in Kentucky. Uh, Mark, thanks so much for the time. How are you, sir? Thanks. Thanks, Bob. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to have you. I appreciate uh, you taking the time today as uh, we get set for this Thanksgiving holiday. I know everybody's kind of gearing up for that, so thanks for putting in the extra uh, time here with us. Uh, first of all, tell us why these states are declaring that um, ICE agents should not be allowed in or around courthouses. Well, the reason they're doing this is because their politicians, um, uh, elected uh, people, have determined that uh, they are not going to follow the laws. Many of these people are very liberal or leftist Democrats. Uh, many of them have expressed uh, sympathy with socialist policies, um, and they adopt the viewpoint um, that they're not going to uh, not only not help the United States enforce the law. We don't expect them to enforce federal law, but we ask them not to obstruct the enforcement of federal law. And they see their way forward uh, by doing this. And my guess is that they, they've made a calculation that they're going to gain Hispanic voters by doing this, or perhaps uh, immigrant voters. Um, now, uh, having said that, it seems contrary to good thinking or good policy making that they would do this because the criminal aliens all return to the very neighborhoods where law-abiding, productive uh, homes are located. Uh, it's the same in Miami where I served as it is now in Oregon and Washington states, where they have sanctuary cities have played host so long to illegal populations that they now believe that they cannot enforce the laws of uh, not only of, of Washington and Oregon against them, but cooperate with federal enforcement in terms of removing from those states these bad actors. And these, mind you, these are people who have been convicted of felonies and then go on to commit crimes again and, are, uh, and then the state interferes with federal enforcement. In other words, they obstruct law, federal law enforcement. Uh, we're talking to Mark Metcalf. He is a former immigration judge and immigration attorney. Now he is a prosecutor at, is it Gerard or Gerard? Soft G or Hard G County? It's uh, Garrett, actually. Garrett. Garrett oh, County. sorry. Sorry. I got it all the way wrong. Sorry about that. Garrett County in Kentucky. Uh, Mark Metcalf is our guest. Um, when we hear, and I think it's great the distinction you pointed out, we're not, federal authorities, federal agencies like ICE, are not asking local law enforcement to go out there and practice immigration um, apprehension. That's not what we're talking about here, but we're saying don't obstruct us when we're trying to do it, in whatever capacity that we do. And in fact, as it pertains to sanctuary cities, you know, at least cooperate by telling us that someone is there. Telling us that you've, you've arrested somebody who happens to be uh, undocumented or illegal so that we can determine if we need you to hold them because they are a violent criminal or a threat to, you know, uh, to commit a violent act, and we can come up and get them. them. So we're just asking for a little cooperation, not asking you to do our jobs for us. But when you listen to the uh, Sanctuary City advocates saying, uh, they're saying that, no, it's not our job to participate in any way, shape, or form in federal uh, activities like these. That you're absolutely right. Uh, 
it is a question of uh, staying out of the way, allowing the federal law enforcement agents and agencies to do their jobs. And, and I, I want to make a point here. Uh, when, when the federal enforcement finds that these people are in lockups, let's say in the county jail, they will, because the county jail has reported it or because they've picked up uh, this person through news reports, they will send a detainer notice and ask the local jailer to uh, hold them for 48 hours, 72 hours, uh, so that we can, or I say we, federal law enforcement can, can pick them up and put them in federal custody. So the only thing that the feds have asked them to do is to let them know 72 hours before they're going to be released that release is, is imminent so that federal agents can pick them up, place them into custody, and later deport them or try to do federal offenses. So we don't have any cooperation here. And federal law provides for, for cooperation between the states and the federal government regarding immigration enforcement. This activity, and I want to point this out again and stress this, this is not failing to cooperate. This is obstruction with federal agents who are now being told, don't even come on our property. We will bar you from our property and perhaps you know, arrest them or try to bar them by warning of, of a trespass violation. Uh, it goes against the grain of what's called comity, and that word is C-O-M-I-T-Y. Comity is the relationship that exists between the states and the federal government. In other words, we're going to accommodate each other. We're going to try and force each other's laws to the extent that there is a mutuality or a seamlessness between the two sovereigns. For instance, the Commonwealth of Kentucky and the federal government, or the state of Ohio and the federal government. This is a rejection of comity. It is a rejection of taking care of safe neighborhoods by allowing people who have are demonstrated lawbreakers to go right back where they came from to, to offend again. And it, it can't be encouraging to the people who live in these neighborhoods to know that the bad guy that was picked up yesterday and has served his time out may be returning to the same may be returning to the same neighborhood and committing offenses all over again. It's an absolute discouraging thing for these these largely immigrant communities. Former immigration judge and attorney Mark Metcalf is our guest. He is a prosecuting attorney down in uh, Garrett County, Kentucky. Uh, let me let me add to this and go to a different place. The president uh, said in an interview with Bill O'Reilly that was released yesterday that he cartels declared foreign terrorist organizations. Uh, this will unleash a little bit more of the power of the federal government to combat them. The Mexican government has responded by saying, please meet with us right away. Uh, the president of Mexico originally said there we will, they would not accept a foreign government declaring any of their citizens, including apparently cartel members, as being part of a foreign terrorist organization. Uh, and now they want to meet with the president or his uh, high-level uh, negotiators, ASAP. What do you make of that, uh, Mark? Do you think that it will help in the fight to keep these cartels out of the United States? And uh, what do you make of Mexico's, I won't say defense of them yet, but they certainly did jump the moment the president said that he was considering doing this, saying, we got to talk. Well, first of all, the right thing to do. Uh, it tells Mexico, and it 
that tells the rest of the world we are not going to tolerate terrorist activities in a trading partner located um, just south of, of the continental U.S. That's what it says. It says that we're going to be using federal law enforcement to combat uh, this evil, and that's what it is, by using federal agents uh, to penetrate, uh, to arrest, and to prosecute on a more active basis. Uh, remember, this uh, this declaration is coming through the, the State Department, and the State Department has been the federal agency, the flagship agency that um, declares uh, the certain nations, like Middle Eastern countries, for instance, as aiders and abettors of terrorism. These are called specially designated uh, countries. And then you have your state sponsors of terrorism. This is on the same order as um, what's called the, the, the aiders and abettors to terrorism. We're not claiming that Mexico is a sponsor of state terrorism. We're saying that it is an aider and a better, or it is permitting to exist within its borders uh, and not actively trying to rid itself of these elements. And the U.S. is taking a much tougher stance. Uh, by taking a tougher stance, it's going to be using its agencies uh, to combat this. Um, I expect what they will be doing is adopting a cooperative policy with Mexico, uh, working with their agencies and providing them with some funding. Um, in other words, providing them with the necessary tools uh, to combat these uh, elements inside of Mexico. These elements have existed for years. This is nothing new. We've known about them for years. But to the extent that they, we know that they killed a family of eight or nine down in um, Mexico two weeks ago, yeah. uh, this step is not unprecedented. Um, we have taken activities on the borders before uh, that toughened our borders and got tough with with the cartels. But this is this is you know raising the game. It's elevating our enforcement to the point we're saying these are not only uh, criminal uh, groups; these are terrorist groups, and we're going to make certain that their entry into the United States and their continued drug trafficking and gun trafficking comes to a halt to the best of our ability, and I, I think it's the right step to take. Yeah, I do too, and uh, and I'll ask you one last question here. We're talking with Mark Metcalf, former immigration judge and attorney, now a prosecutor down in Kentucky. Um, this is more politics than, than policy, I guess, but uh, I think they do kind of cross over here. Um, Elizabeth Warren said over the weekend she would use taxpayer dollars to deconstruct President Trump's border walls, the barriers that have been going up. She said she would literally take them down and make it easier for these uh, coyotes, these mules, these gang members, these uh, these drug runners, these cartel members to come in and out of the United States, take it and actually make, you know, it's funny, they were complaining that the president wanted to use some tax dollars to build the thing. She will use those tax dollars to take it down in order to um, appease her base and to essentially uh, advance toward her and other leftist goals of uh, having a borderless society, maybe even a borderless hemisphere. What is your take? Uh, it's absolutely the wrong thing to do. Um, a nation whose borders are sovereign is a nation. If you don't have sovereign borders, you're not a nation. Um, at a time in our, in our country's history when um, nationalism is on the rise, look at the Chinese. They're very nationalistic. Uh, our politicians on the left are uh, deconstructing not only patriotism, but now they're 
uh, deconstructing border walls. Uh, you can you can make a, a border wall ineffective simply by putting a door in it or not guarding it or not monitoring it. What she did, what she said, was to uh, jazz up her base even further by saying, I'm not going to only let people through. I'm going to take down the wall entirely so it's not there. To the left, it is a symbol of American enforcement. Um, and to those of us who you know, sincerely disagree with that type of thinking, it's a way in which to protect our populations from the elements that have invaded in the past. Now, it is an invasion by criminal aliens. Um, not everyone is a victim of persecution as we define it under our law. Uh, so we're using laws to keep bad elements out and to properly channel the authentic, uh, the authentic persecuted um, asylees or people who have been victims of abuse um, that fall under our asylum statute. Those border walls are a number of things. But they tell people we're serious about our borders, they keep the bad elements out, and they channel uh, the asylees to a station where they can be received and their cases can be adjudicated. Well, let's just hope that every time she opens her mouth or they open their mouths and make these kinds of ridiculous promises to actually, you know, surrender our sovereignty rather than, uh, than defend it, um, that uh, more and more Americans will turn away from such thinking. You make great points all the way around. I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, appreciate you coming on. Again, Mark Metcalf is a former immigration judge. He is a prosecutor down in Garrett County, Kentucky now, uh, joining us to talk about immigration issues. Uh, judge, thanks very much. I don't know, what do you call you? Judge now or attorney Metcalf or just Mark? What do you prefer i whatever you're comfortable with mark is fine and i <laughs> thank you bob and uh, happy thanksgiving to you and your listeners thank you very much i certainly appreciate your time a very blessed holiday to you as well all right there you go that's mark metcalf i don't know you know you keep the title judge after you uh, leave you uh, your uh, bench just like you somebody's always going to be mayor always going to be governor always going to be senator even after they're out of office i wasn't sure so we'll just call him mark i just apologize for the informality if it wasn't appropriate all right 1050 final segment of the broadcast coming up if you want to be uh on the air do it now 216 if se- by the way last chance of the week because we are in best of mode tomorrow and on Black Friday. So if you would like to be a part of the show this week at all, you got to do it right now. 216-901-0945. Right here on AM 1420, The Answer. Bob France, here on AM 1420, The Answer. Yes, indeed. Final segment of the broadcast is upon us. It is 10.54. I do have three hours of entertainment and information more and conversation to have with you coming up this afternoon if you normally listen to America First with Dr. G, Sebastian Gorka. Uh, keep doing it and do it today, except you will hear me. I'm sitting in for the big man. I did not realize, by the way, until last Thursday when we had our War for America Soul Tour, and he came into the studio and did the show with me uh, before uh, we had our stage event on uh, Thursday night. I didn't realize how big that guy was. 
I mean, he towered over me. I'm 6'3", and I was looking up at him. He says he's 6'4", and about 260. I might give him another inch on that. I don't know, but uh, my, oh, my. Uh, he's a giant of a man, literally and figuratively, uh, and did, did such an amazing job and has done such an amazing job in his uh, 10 months uh, working and hosting this show for uh, for Salem uh, Radio, and I am uh, very, very pleased and honored to be sitting in for him today. So make sure that you tune in for that. As I say goodbye to those who will not be here today, however, I mean, you know, for the Gorka show this afternoon, however, I want to give you this advice. Don't force your girls to hug your family members or her family members um, at Thanksgiving tomorrow. If you're getting together with family and everybody's coming over for the feast, or maybe you are going somewhere else for a feast, when greetings happen, don't make your little girls hug anybody. Because if you do, then they're going to feel like they have to give sex to men who are nice to them later in life. What are you talking about? Here's what I'm talking about. The Girl Scouts of America have issued a statement of guidance to parents ahead of the holiday season, including Thanksgiving and Christmas. Their statement, along with the social media uh, on their social media network, is she doesn't owe anyone a hug, not even on the holidays. The belief here is that if you tell your young girls that they owe someone a hug because someone else said something nice to them or someone else hasn't seen them in a long time again, holiday type things, or especially if someone gives them a gift, if they give, you force them to give hugs in return for gifts or compliments or greetings or whatever, this could lead to her later in life questioning whether she owes another person physical affection when they've bought her dinner or done something else nice for her. This is, friends, this is where we are. This is the insanity we have created. Innocent things like family hugs of thanks for compliments, haven't seen you in a long time, for a gift, God forbid. That means later on when a guy buys you a gift or a dinner, you owe them physical affection back. You owe them sex. It is unbelievable what they are doing to us. By the way, in another uh, breaking news story, the GSA still exists. I thought the Girl Scouts of America went away when they forced the Boy Scouts to take girls. <laughs> I, I thought the, the sexes, the mingling and the uh, inter- interchangeable sexes and so on and so forth, I thought that was uh, uh, making Girl Scouts of America go away. But apparently they're and they're still trying to promote what? Victim culture in America. Victimhood culture of America. Uh, they added the best route is to let girls decide how they want to show affection to their loved ones and friends. Of course, many children may naturally want to hug and kiss family members and friends and neighbors, and that's lovely. But if your daughter is reticent, considering, uh, consider letting her choose what to do. Saying how she's missed someone or thank you with a smile or a high five or even air kisses are all ways she can express herself. And it's important she knows uh, that she gets to choose what f- One of um, his relatives came over and went to give him the hug after she hugged uh, my daughter and my my wife and so on and so forth. And he put his hand up and backed off and said, I'm not a hugger. And I just thought it was hilarious that he the way he phrased that. Who knew all he was doing was making sure that he didn't feel obligated when he gets older to give physical affection to anybody else who has ever been nice to him. There you go. He was ahead of the curve, uh, curve is all that amounts to. All right, that is going to do it. I figured I would end on that one. 
But I will begin anew with the latest on the impeachment story, the latest on the uh, drug cartel story, as the president designates drug cartels or attempts to as a foreign terrorist organization, and much, much more. I'll be hosting for Dr. G at 3 o'clock, America First. You'll hear it right here uh, after the Prager Show on AM 1420, The Answer. For now, Gallagher is coming up. Stay right here. Have a blessed Thanksgiving. I'll talk to you live on this show again on Monday. Bye-bye. Enjoy the silence. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.